All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast edition. MWR.com is our website where you can find – what can we find, Matt? Pretty much anything on Mountain West, essentially. Uh, that's what we strive to do anyway. Yeah. That, that's our goal. And if we achieve it, great. If we don't, well, we try our best, right? <laughs> yeah, and as always, if there is anybody out there who is looking for coverage of anything in particular, feel free to hit us up on either Twitter or Facebook at MWC Wire. Exactly. So if there's anything, yeah. If you want to write about it, great. If you want to let us know about something we missed, a feel-good story, something you want to – or even complaints about We'll take complaints. To, we'll, if your complaint is um, about us or writing, that's fine. Just be nice in your complaint. Like no swearing. That would be appreciative because then we might just hit delete no matter what. Yeah. Constructive criticism is what we're calling going for if there's an issue there with go. something. So. All right, so that's that's kind of um, we got that out of the way. We decided to get to that because it's a crossover season right now. Football and hoops. Oh, speaking of hoops, um, basketball podcast should be coming back next week occasionally. So look for that very nice, very down nice. the road. We got season starting. I think Monday the fifth, Tuesday the fifth, whatever. It's basketball's coming, but we're football guys here at the moment. So we'll get to it. We have another full slate of Saturday games, Matt. We have one, two, three, four, five, six games, four non-conference games. And let's get to the oh, let's get to the conference games because there's news in that UNLV CSU game. Marvin Kinsey, we you know he's suspended, right? Everybody knows that now. He is uh, not the team anymore, so he decided to go elsewhere. So here's the question then: Yes, how much does that matter at this point? He was deleting Russian amount in the West before he got suspended, so a little bit. I mean, yes, but also Colorado State didn't seem like they missed a beat last week against Fresno State with uh, Marcus McElroy taking the lion's share of the work on the ground. So True. I'd say a little, not a lot. Well, it's one game, so I won't say it's not a worry. But having your first game come in, you double your yards for the year, I would say you're at the moment fine. Well, I'd give it another game or two to know for sure, but the season's rapidly past the midway point. But as of now, it's okay. I mean, because the only reason I ask is because I'm, I've been taking stock of this Colorado State team over the last couple of weeks and in, in watching them and kind of seeing, especially how conference play has unfolded. And the question I've been asking myself, like, is, is this a team that might make a run in November? I was thinking the same thing because, yeah, they lost to Utah State. Utah State game, three quarters was, was competitive. That fourth quarter was a mess. They lost by 10. They weren't really close for San Diego State, but – they they played well versus New Mexico. Okay, it's New Mexico. But versus Fresno State, they looked really good. Like they were moving the ball. They were passing the ball, scored forty points. They're average, they scored thirty plus points in three of the last four games. Actually, four of the last five, five of the last six. Six of the last, basically the thirty <laughs> let me go back to week one here, Matt. They basically scored thirty points a game, except yeah. for twice, I believe. No once. Well, just the San Diego State game. And Utah State. So only, yeah, points are happening. It's not only that, but I think we've talked about this a little bit on yeah, the defensive side of the ball in particular, you know, for the season, they went from dead last last year. And if, and, and if you look at the season as a whole, they're up to eighth in allowing just 5.8, six yards per play. But if you cut that down to what they have done in conference play so far, they're up to fourth. They're under their shade under five yards per play. And they're actually right in the same neighborhood as the three teams ahead of them who are in order, Utah State, Wyoming and San Diego State. I believe they're pretty good, right? They they might be figuring things out, and I think for as as maligned as the defense was 
in particular, you know, mostly throughout September, I think, I think that's worth paying attention to because like they're, they're in the middle of the pack as far as tackles for loss, but their pass rush has definitely picked up in conference play. I think they've gone from, you know, being fifth overall on the season. I'm trying to pull it up as I talk, you know, they're tied for third in uh, team sacks. So like they're improving a little bit at a time on that side of the ball. And that's where I start thinking about, you know, how is that going to hold up against the UNLV team that did have some success last week against the Aztecs, but on the whole, you know, we kind of know what they are. We know that they're shaky at the quarterback position with Kenyon Oblad, although there is some other bits of news. Tyler Bischoff earlier this week out there in Vegas had mentioned Armani Rogers might be back on the field. Should they have him? Like, I'm not starting, but on the field? At this point, I have no idea. <laughs> and that's and that's the thing. Like, we, I think we've seen enough from Oblad at this point to know that no matter what they do, he's going to be a work in progress anyway. Because he does have 10 touchdowns against six interceptions, but, you know, his yards per attempt relative to other quarterbacks in the conference is below average. You know, it's 6.6 yards per pass which is definitely not getting the job done Mm -hmm. and he's only completing 52 percent of his passes too so you know they were able to work the short game a little bit against the aztecs and you know maybe they'll be able to do it again especially since yeah i just think that there's a lot to prove on both sides of the ball but in in colorado's ditch defense and in unlv's offense and whichever team gets the upper hand in that regard is the thing that is the team that's ultimately going to take control in this game one quick note that rams defense in october they're second in the conference in yards per play allowed yeah right i think you mentioned league play but they're four nine five aztecs four eight nine so they're basically one of the best defenses in yards per play in the conference the past yeah. uh, month also you know what you know how you know it's basketball season matt i go to the las vegas sun las vegas review journal again i see basketball basketball no football football from last week basketball <laughs> there you go um, also, we should note Barry Odom had his uh, successful heart transplant just or the Barry other day. Barney Cotton, you or, mean? Why did I say Barry Odom? That's... Are you thinking of Mizzou football? I, why? I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that came off smooth. Like, I know what I'm – this guy. Oh, geez. I, that's even that's a double apology for me. So, get well soon, coach, and see what happens. I, oh, man, that's brutal. Well, that happened, so let's move on right past it. <laughs> uh, so, you mentioned – like, I, I, I'm, I agree with you on the Rams stuff especially the defense get a touch better offense has been like, I even like, if I think about what I said throughout the year for them, people kind of chuckled. I'm like, Oh, they put up 30 something points for Colorado. I'm like, scoring's not their issue. Like we said, it's their defense. That's finally coming around. It just happens. Those two losses in league play came against teams that are more complete than the Rams. Mm-hmm. And so like we've seen like for this, kind of stick with you and all these defense we've seen like the arkansas state game they got blown up remember how many deep passes they got taken advantage of in that red wolf game mm-hmm. they were throwing down the field like crazy they couldn't stop the pass and what was it i saw P- i think you mentioned on pff did they rank receivers or the number 20 receiving Rams? units yeah okay so that was i saw it again today i wasn't sure if it was different but what i saw so I, I guess what we saw was receiving combo of tight end running backs wide outs is that what you looked at as well when they're like number 20 or something yeah, Colorado State was. Yeah, yeah. okay. I wasn't sure because they put out so much stuff. I wasn't sure what you saw was just wideouts, but I saw receiving units. Like they like outside of Hawaii, they're probably the second best receiving group in the league. And going against this Rams defense or the Rebels defense, like what? Why would we expect any different? Patrick O'Brien can throw the ball so well. He's 
a great guy they got to come in with the Colin Hill unfortunately going down, but he has hasn't stumbled all that much this year except for like San Diego State Utah State where it wasn't great but okay. Like he could put up four hundred yards and I wouldn't blink an eye in this game. Yeah, and that's you know, the other thing that kind of relates to that is, you know, one of the other things that the Rams have really improved upon as of late is mostly limiting the mistakes relative to what they were able to do in September because, you know, on the season they're minus eight in turnovers. And and UNLV for comparison is minus nine. But if you again, if you look at what they've done in conference play, you know, they're only minus one. And, you know, some of that has to do with the fact that they're still turning the ball over a little bit. Like they've gotten a here hit and miss. Uh, yeah. You know, I think if O'Brien can avoid more throws like the interception he threw straight to Juju Hughes last week, um, I don't know if UNLV has the personnel in the back end to really be able to take advantage of that anyway. But the other thing to keep in mind, too, which UNLV has similarly struggled with, uh, they're still minus seven in Mountain West play. Hmm. And Colorado State's actually number two in the conference behind San Jose State in total giveaway, in total takeaways, rather. So that's another thing that I think kind of plays to Colorado State's advantage. You know, both of these teams have shown that they have a tendency toward being mistake prone, but I think you could make an argument that the Rams have been able to correct that recently in a way that UNLV really hasn't. You're true. Correct. And that's a big thing. I would say, like, this game where we, we should probably mention, it's um, this is an AT&T sports game. That is correct. So, able so to... you should be able to find it on uh, outside of the footprint. In our previews, we'll have links to be able to watch it online. Like watch it. Also, apparently for you, Matt, you can go to your office to watch, but not at home. I could. Yeah. <laughs> apparently, we found that out this last week. I was like, hey, I can watch this game for a minute. Yeah, it's a one thirty Mountain, twelve thirty Pacific. There, Rams are a nine point favorite. I. This might be a blowout. It I might don't be. Why? <laughs> of course, it might be. Like what? UNLV has UNLV's done a I don't want to say they're a touch better, but last week was pretty good versus San Diego State. Three quarters versus Fresno, they were in that game until they just like that's is that all their turnovers Matt when they're minus five in that game? Is that where the minus seven comes from essentially? It might be, yeah. <laughs> but still, they happen. They all count the same, and they got blown up by that game, which was close until that twenty eight twenty fumble. The uh, was it the fumble recovery for Fresno to basically run away with it? Yeah. So they've been playing a touch better. If you think about it, but I think like Essex don't have that great of an offense overall. Fresno doesn't, but also Fresno blew them out because short field. Like if you're an FBS quarterback or FBS offense, you should be able to go 40 plus yards and get points nearly every time, some sort of points. And they got touchdowns that week. You would think so. Yeah. And plus the other thing that we haven't really mentioned, which, you know, you know alluding to that point, um, Colorado State still has Ryan Stonehouse. Yeah, the last punter. I checked, Not they are third nationally Colorado State is in net punting so you know if we're talking about a game that could you know that could come down to field position I think Colorado State definitely has the edge in that regard because UNLV doesn't really have a a return game to write home about not to say that it's bad like they've mostly eliminated the mistakes that haunted them in non-conference play Um, and just to to clarify Colorado State's still fifth they dropped them third to fifth from last week to this week but you know that's something else to keep an eye on. Where if they can pin the rebels, you know, within their own twenty yard line, that I think is another thing that plays to Colorado State's advantage. And another thing we haven't mentioned at all, um, you know, that guy Charles Williams, he's pretty good. Mm-hmm. So for as good as 
Rams defense has been. That's where I think they could like I think a blowout could happen like a, a lot of points because you have runners what sixty five I think it is sixty sixty four, so a lot of points they expect a lot of points. I think if the Rams are, are not going to get to victors because Charles Williams or whoever runs the ball for UNLV has a big game, most likely Williams we had assume. Mm-hmm. If he has a big game, that's where the Rams are coming to trouble because when they played just State, um, they didn't have Jalen Warren in that game, just Gerald Bright, and so he I think Warren left early that game. Washington, San Diego State's been fine, but not great. With John Washington, he's been slowly coming back. For um, oh, sorry, I got the teams because I apologize. I think I'm looking at two of our teams, but my point is that Charles Williams is going to be why they're going to win this game. I think, and if maybe the Rebels can somehow on the secondary just don't let big plays like Warren Jackson or Nate Craig Myers or Dante Wright or somebody a big plays. I don't think they could stop all three. That's where the potential could come. But if the Rebels can kind of have ball control and just run a lot, and which I think they could be successful in that ground game, they just, I think with this Rams offense, what it can do, they can't settle for field goals. They need some touchdowns if they're going to beat the Rams. Yeah, and you know, speaking to that point, it's not like either team has really covered themselves in glory when it comes to settling for three points. <laughs> you know, you're you're talking about two of the worst field goal units in the entire conference. Like, you know, Daniel Gutierrez is you know only seven of nine, so maybe he hasn't had that many opportunities to to speak of. But definitely on Colorado State side, you know, they have their three guys: Caden Camper, Maxwell Peruska, and Braxton Davis. Um, they're all None of them are better than 60% on the air. That's not good. No, it's not. So we could have a lot of doinks like the Rebels had last week for San Diego State. So that's what you're telling where, me. Where have you gone, Wyatt Bryan? Somewhere, who knows. Uh, all right, so what's the, what does FEI and everything else say about this matchup? All right, so uh, FEI likes the Rams in this one as a slight 4.9 favorite. Uh, for SP the, plus. Assuming Rams, right? Assume, yeah, the Rams okay, do. Make it sure. Uh, SP Plus also likes Colorado State by 8.8, which is a 70% win probability. So there's no three touchdown. Is that an error? Not an error for FEI this week in this game. That, that apparently is not an error, no. So what do you got? Who, who are you taking to win this one? Uh, I'm going to take the Rams to hold serve at home. I okay. think both of these teams should be able to move the ball a fair amount in this game. But, I mean, if you're asking me, I would take the team that's less likely to make a killer mistake. And... You know the the team more likely to make a stop at the other team's offense, and I think at this point that's got to be Colorado State. So I'm going to say Rams 34, Rebels 28. 28. So you have the uh, Rebels covering that nine point line. Yeah, I think it'll be sort of close. I think it'll be 31 20 for UNLV. I just got oh, no. Excuse me, 31 20 CSU. I'm reading my score backwards. Help if I type it out right. Um, but I could see like I would not be shocked like. The most shocking result would be a UNLV blowout in this game. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if UNLV could win because Charles Williams and maybe the Rams take a step back or whatever reason. But the likely outcome is a Rams blowout or a close victory by either team. And I'm leaning toward kind of in between 31-20 Rams. So that's how that one goes. Next time we go to Army at Air Force where – dude, what happened to Army, man? 14-7 Michigan? That's that's a long time ago, Matt. Long time ago, <laughs> life comes at you fast. It does. Army, with one of the worst schedules in the country, is three and five. Twelve thirty local kick there in Air Force Academy. Don't worry, don't fret, folks. By this weekend, if you're out in the area, I know today on Thursday, campus is essentially closed ex- except for non-essential people. And I can, Matt, I can attest for the cold weather where not as cold as it is in Laramie, where it's like what minus twenty, minus fifteen on Thursday. 
We were at a brisk 15 degrees here in the Salt Lake area. Quite cold. I do not like that. I I don't like it. I also don't like when it was, say, a nice 55 and then drops like 40 degrees. That's what I don't like. Oh, like, no. Like, if it's a gradual drop, you can deal with it. But it's like, oh, I'm going to wear a long sleeve shirt, maybe a light jacket. Next day, I'm like, oh, I need to get a bundle up there. It's like, what's this 40-degree swing? Not, not a fan. But – there should be no snow. There should be no weather besides coldness. It should be about 47, so it's pretty nice for that time of year, kind of about mm. average, I believe. But Air Force, um, I guess they're – do we uh, – I, sh- I didn't look into their quarterback situation. Is it Should be Donald Hammond good to go this weekend? If I'm I would correct? believe so, yeah. I haven't heard anything that would suggest otherwise. So if we have him playing, that's obviously positive. They got plenty of guys back there. It doesn't matter who's running the ball, who's running the offense, but – what I'm a little surprised that the Falcons are a two touchdown favorite against the Black Knight. You think so? It's a little surprising, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Air Force for a moment. Got it. Go for it. I saw what you put out this morning. Because Go I want to harken back to our discussion about them last week, where we were in a recap, especially where we were wondering why FEI <laughs> no had them as such a huge favorite over Utah State, right? Mm-hmm. And if you look at the breakdown, what it basically comes down to is that Air Force has played like one of the most offensively efficient teams in the country. Because FEI is made up of component parts. You know, there's offense, defense, and special teams. And most of their standing is based on the fact that they currently rank eighth in efficiency. And, you know, even if you just choose to look by the more traditional numbers, that kind of, you know, it brings out that same message because, you know, first, they're number one in the conference in yards per play on the ground, which we know that's what they want to do. They're averaging 5.38 yards per carry. They've already almost scored more touchdowns than they did all of last season. Ooh, Air Force? And, yeah. And yeah. there's so what, last, five last games season on the ground, they scored 33 touchdowns. And and to date, they have scored 31 this year. They're, they have improved from 4.76 to 5.38 yards per carry, so when, over a half yard improvement per play. When do I get to gloat about me being right on the Falcons? I mean, you you could do it now. If I'm you just saying. To. I people like yeah, the loss to Boise State. The fourth quarter wasn't great, but I'm standing. All those numbers back up where hey, I'm still on track for a ten and two season for Air Force. So yeah, and so I think that's where you have to start talking about this game because we, you know we talked a little bit last week because we the Black Knights of course faced San Jose State last week. Lost. So we talked about them a little bit, but what we haven't really mentioned is the fact that. Army has struggled a little bit in defending the run in a way that they didn't really over the last couple of years. And you really don't have to look much farther than the difference between these two teams when it comes to some of the more advanced metrics. So like, for instance, opportunity rate, you know, how often are runners getting to the second level, you know, getting at least four yards where the offensive line has done its job right now on defense, Air Force is 18th in that regard, 41.1%. Army, by comparison, is 80th, okay. 48.2%. If you look at what they've done in uh, you know, stuff rate, for instance, Air Force has been a little bit better about racking up TFLs or, or zero-yard plays than, uh, than Army has been. Uh, or even if you just look by line yards per carry. So like you know, those first three yards, how often are they getting those first three yards? Uh, Air Force currently ranks 29th on defense. Army ranks 100th. Oh, that's not good. And so when you look at how efficient 
Air Force has been, I mean, you can look at the fact that one, it hasn't really come down to any one player at any rate, you know, because like you mentioned, it hasn't really mattered who's been under center mm-hmm. for them. You know, you look down their top rushers and the, the the guy with the lowest figure is Taven Birdo, who he's averaging 4.5 yards per carry. Um, Caden Remsburg's averaging six yards a carry. Timothy Jackson, the other fullback, has averaged six yards a carry. Donald Hammond's at 5.2 yards per carry. And even the guys behind them are ripping off six, seven, eight yards per play. This is what they want, like multiple guys where it's maybe one main guy, but everybody else, say you only get three to six carries, you're still getting maybe... 20 to 40 yards off those carries yeah so while you look at the you i mean on a per play basis army hasn't dropped off that much from what they were able to do last year like among independent teams at least they only trail notre dame as far as yards per play allowed on the ground but i can see this being a severe mismatch especially since you know again san jose state is not what you would call an effective running team no um but each of the each of Army's last four opponents has made that overall season total go up. You know, Tulane had over six yards of carry. Western Kentucky had four point four yards per carry. Georgia State was at four point six, and San Jose State was four point nine. And now all of a sudden, you're talking about Air Force, one of the best running, most efficient teams in the country. This seems like the kind of game that could get away from the Black Knights early if they can't come away with some early stops. I think so as well, and also. The fullback has been an area of – it's not like Army who's a fullback or Navy as much, but still a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Like Deval Jackson, he's a big reason because if, if when you run this offense, if you don't have a fullback dive or even an efficient or somewhat effective, that kind of takes away the triple option because teams won't bite on the fullback dive and they won't bite on that first fake where it's – that's why it's triple. You get the one fake there. You, you know how everybody knows how the triple option works, but the f- first mm-hmm. fake sometimes is to the fullback. And if you don't have a guy back there who can is willing to take it take it to the head every time, essentially, if he doesn't get the ball, but to sell that fake every play and then also be successful when he gets the ball, that's kind of something that's sort of been lacking. And that that's a big deal for why they could they, why they could do it. Like they have guys like Timothy Jackson, Deval, or sorry, why is it is his full name Timothy Duvall Jackson? You know, I'm not sure. I be- saw Brent Brigham refer to to Duval Jackson. Well, the I say that because then I read. I'm looking. I'm looking at an article right now. I did earlier, just today. Deval Jackson title, but I scroll down. The reason I say Timothy, I'm like, wait, is that a different fullback? The photo caption says Timothy Jackson. See, my question is, can we borrow from the Jacksonville Jaguars and just start Duval! going Duval? Yes, exactly. That's, That's what, what I want to know. Why not? Or can he get drafted by Jacksonville Jaguars? Well, that would be amazing. You know, he could take place with that fullback there, Leonard Fournette, that Brandon. There likes you go. So much. There you go. <laughs> But then it is, but in all seriousness, that fullback type position is is key to make this offense even better when you run a triple option style offense. So you have him like the offense overall, you know, it doesn't matter who quarterback is. It's like Calhoun's like, oh, it's just one guy. Yeah, it is, but it's still pretty important. Like you've seen guys like huge guys who are fullbacks that take up space and because it's like I say a million times, like if you watch this type of offense around, it's one versus one. It's on offense and defense, you have your defense. If you're defensive end, the quarterback, linebacker, you have your one guy essentially you're watching. Yeah. So the so the one time you do the fullback dive, that nose tackle for some reason goes left or right, assuming that's where the play is going to go. The one time he gets the ball at a fullback, they're taking off for a wide open hole for five, ten, twenty plus yards because he decides like, oh, they haven't given to him on eight straight plays. They fake it every time, but it's that one time he gets it. 
boom. Mm-hmm. And so selling that and then being successful when you get the ball is huge as well. And so he's had uh, 100 yards in three straight games, so he's a pretty big deal as offense. Like it's, and that's fine. Air, when Air Force Air Force off Air Force offense has that, if I could speak, that's what that's kind of what you want for fullback. They may not get 100 yards every week, but he's done it the past three weeks, and that's kind of why they've been as good as they've been this year. Mm-hmm. So, also, I'm looking at the Commander Chief, Chief Trophy. Army's one of the past two years, correct? Yes. Yes. Air Force, unfortunately, lost to Navy. So, if I'm correct, if Air Force beats Army, I don't think Air Force can't win it. Because if it's a tie, it goes back to Army. Like, if it's a one-and-one situation. That is correct. So, I guess, if I'm correct on this, so if Air Force wins, and they're obviously one-and-one, Army is 0-1, Navy is 1-0. So, I guess if uh, it's Navy, Army, who gets this Commander-in-Chief this year, unfortunately. Yeah. So... Yeah, that happens, but it's going to be... really shouldn't have. Just, I'm thinking about the end of that Navy game now. It yeah. makes me mad. Just like me and that. <laughs> my random thought on Twitter earlier earlier the week, Tulsa beat Wyoming. Oh, boy. Just, I know stuff happens, teams change, but, man, a couple situations change differently. I did just like your tweet you put out. FEI says uh, Air Force has the best chance by far to win out the rest of the season at 57%. Well, I don't know if I didn't go through every single Mountain West team. It's pretty high. But, but I thought it was interesting that by FEI, you know, because they have pro- like projection ranges of mm-hmm. how many losses the team is likely to end up with at the end of the year. Um, and so for those of you who didn't see that tweet, Air Force is given a 57% likelihood to finish the year with just those two losses. Yeah, because they have they have Army this week. It just obviously does not include any potential championship game, which they would need help to get to. Yeah, but they have Army this week. Part of it's a schedule. Army at New Mexico at CSU, which as we discussed, maybe a little bit trickier. Host Wyoming, which is going to be pretty tough. So mm-hmm. schedules, it's not unlikely, but it's not it's not a breeze either. So no. And also, it should be noted why probably why that percentage is higher. They get a bye week before the Wyoming game. There you go. So. This game, 14 F points. So what does FEI and SP Plus say in this one? Uh, FEI likes the Falcons. Uh, By 20 points? More than they liked them <laughs> last week. Yeah, actually. Uh, 23.2 points. That's a lot of points. Uh, SP Plus also likes Air Force in this one, but by only 11.4, which is a 75% win probability. So what do you got? Uh, I got the Falcons rolling in this one. How much? Uh, I'm going to say... Do it. Say 40. I knew you'd say 40 something. Yeah, I was going to say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do it. Uh, do it! 40, 42 to 24. 42 24. That covers because it's 14 and a half. I was looking at this. I, I changed my score a little bit. I went 31 13. Because getting 40 something points, it's not unheard of, but it's kind of tough. Because think of it this way both teams want to hold the ball forever. And so I'm not saying your score prediction's incorrect or anything, but it's. Uh, they can do it. It's just uh, predicting for me and my choice about making scores. That's a little, a little bit high in my end, but we, you've already described how bad the Army defense can be. I think it's going it's to be a long morning. Oh, it actually may not be this type of game. That's true. Just saying. Be, okay, be, yeah, that's a good point. This game is at one thirty local time. It could be done before before 4 o'clock easily, including halftime and everything. So, All right, now let's get to here's how the schedule works out. Those games are at mid-afternoon. Early afternoon, I should say. The rest of the other games, maybe take a nap. Or in my case, watch Utah-Washington, which is a big game of mine. Come on. But you have 8 o'clock, 8.30, 8.30, 
mountain times here because that's how my configuration is set up to 959 for Hawaii. So I guess we'll go to the 8 o'clock game, which is uh, BYU at Utah State for the wagon wheel. Which, fun fact, for those who know, because BYU used to, Matt, you probably know, used to beat Utah State pretty regularly when Utah State was garbage. Mm-hmm. For Brent Guy years are not fond of anyone to remember it. But the trophy on the line, it's huge. You've seen it, right? The wagon wheel. Well, I, I have seen it, yeah. For years, BYU would just put it away. There's one time when Utah State won, they couldn't find it to bring it out in the field for Utah State to take it back home when they won in Provo a couple years ago. It's disrespectful. That is now, which tells you how much um, either BYU needs something to prop themselves up or they really take it seriously. That wagon wheel is in full display within eye shot of the national title trophy. Well, and that's the other thing, too. I saw someone, I forget which BYU player it was, referring to uh, to Utah State coming out to, quote-unquote, defend their dairy farm. Oh, Diwanke. Oh, I changed his name. It used to be Diane Lake. Diane Guanake, a defensive back. And I was just thinking to myself, you know, those dairy farmers have dropped 40 on you boys two straight <laughs> years. Do we, do we really want to be going in that direction? That, that's a spicy one. Also, there's also the big fight because both schools have a pretty good ice cream creamery. They produce their own ice cream because uh, obviously you just say agricultural school. That's part of the deal a little bit. Yeah. But they both have pretty good creamery, so this fight over has the best ice cream. But, no, that was – I saw him mention that quote. But it's uh, – here's the thing about this game. Really quick, Utah State's a slim three-and-a-half-point favorite. Utah State's been – what's to be the nice way, Matt? Iffy? Past couple weeks? Uh, Yeah. So that, that's, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. And here's a couple of things about, well, we'll get to them, but yeah, they've been iffy. So here's what's um, interesting about this game for those who haven't been following BYU, which you probably saw last week. If you're a Boise fan, they started Baylor Romney at quarterback. And we discussed as well, clearly as of this moment, we don't know who's going to be the quarterback, Jaron Hall or Baylor Romney. If I was head coach Kalani Satake, um, I would stick with the guy who actually throw the ball and looked good against really good defense, which would be Baylor Romney. So, I would say this, like, before we get to my prediction, I would hands down say Utah State wins if Jaron Hall starts. If it's Baylor Romney, I'd probably give it a toss-up, like the line says, about three points. So they have an or next to them on the depth chart, if I'm not mistaken. That would make sense because Hall had Hall a concussion a couple weeks ago. Yeah, that's because yeah, they're working it, on it. Because, uh, you know, Cougar Sports Insider put down a thing that kind of broke down all of the different changes that the depth chart has seen a lot this on week, BYU's yeah. side. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, for instance, they have uh, – you know, some things down on the on running back at wide receiver, basically all over the place, it seems like. Yeah. Um, but uh, week stuff, I guess, essentially part of it. But, you know, do we need to start by talking about, you know, kind of resetting on BYU? Because I think we both maybe underestimated them a little bit uh, in inclement weather against Boise State a couple weeks ago. Here's I'll tell you why we need to reset that, because they made wholesale changes where we have to. If you watched, like, okay, I've watched BYU closer than others because that's part of my gig at work as well, kind of monitor them as well for what they're doing. They made, they put the, they switch guys in the press box, like who's uh, calling plays. So on offense and defense, you see, if you watched any of the game, Fanboy remembers for the defensive plays, because Klein Sitaka was a DC at Utah and he was at Oregon State as well with Gary Anderson before that and just kind of hopping around. But he was next to his defensive coordinator, um, Elias Tuyaki. Where it's like when you see the backup quarterbacks next to each other where they're both calling plays. Yeah. It's like a, who's calling the real play. But you had Satake next to Elasi right there, and they were calling the plays with clearly Kalani because they're more physical and more aggressive. And then saving on, on, on offense, excuse me, they had quarterbacks coach, passing game coordinator Aaron Roderick call a lot more plays than their OC Jeff Grimes, which mm-hmm. is why you saw the 
Fomoruski, the reverse flea flicker, plays like that. And so they've tweaked and adjust, not tweaked, that's kind of a pretty small word, but made some decent changes to their offense and play calling and on defense as well, and obviously both sides for those plays. So that's why we've got to think about them differently because Baylor Romney came in. He's, he's a former walk-on, was a wide receiver at one point, now starting quarterback, goes down on his first drive, touchdown it like no sweat. Mm-hmm. To a team that still, outside Matt Bushman, I don't really trust their wide receivers all that much. And so I think it's more of play calling and head coach calling to talk and getting in on defense that made the difference, which it obviously worked quite well versus a really good team. So if you're Utah State, where do you start if you're trying to figure out how to beat this? Uh, team which what? Just in general? Yeah. I think the secondary for BYU is still susceptible a little bit. How, so there's that, and so I still think I still like Jordan Love. We all do. Like you think he can play? Well, I think last week was just weird, where Air Force had the ball for so much he didn't have the opportunities, and he didn't make the most of what he had, especially those first two drives that ended in turnovers by the Falcons that Utah State couldn't take advantage of. I, if Jalen Warren's fully healthy, which we don't know, he's kind of been playing here or there. That's how they're going to win, like running the ball a lot, and then that'll open up because again, Billy's defense was pretty good for most of the game versus Boise State, but. I think that's where it has to start. Like have their running game going. Cause I still think love will have a big game or a pretty good game. He's not going to be this poor forever. Like he's not going to struggle with, well, how am I not really sure what his TD to interception ratio is just not good, but I think it starts with running the ball. Well, and a healthy Jalen Warren goes a long win. That's where I think they can attack. And then here's the thing too. We like Boise's defense. They have Curtis Weaver, but if we're being honest, I think Utah state has bigger playmaker names overall mm-hmm. with a couple guys. Like, not to disrespect Boise at all for what they have, like Weaver, but who's their number two guy? They have a couple guys, but I think like Tippa and David Woodward, they have more high-end talent rather than really, really good talent overall. They have like two guys who are like amazing. Yeah. Where Boise has really good defense, but Weaver's just out of this world. And so that's where I'm getting it. They have a couple more guys who can make bigger plays, I think, than Boise could, for the most part, so close. But I think those two guys need to have a big game as well. Get to, here's the thing too, you get to a guy who's making, Romney was at home last week. He is, is this a road game as well? Or is this that? It's it's his first road game too. It's at um, Utah State. Last week he's at home versus Boise State. So Utah State fans show up, be out there. Yeah, it's going to be freaking cold at 8 o'clock at night, but this is a rivalry game, and if you want to win, Go out and knock around a freshman quarterback who's never made a road start in his career. Even if it's Jaron Hall, he looked bad versus South Florida on the road. They were calling design runs for a guy in the third play of the game who had a concussion. What are you doing? So I think it's just getting after the quarterback and running the ball well, and I think that's how they can get to victory. I mean, I'm glad you brought up Jalen Warren because I think he and Gerald Bright are probably the key in this game because if you just look at what they have done when when BYU has won versus when they have lost the big thing is that teams have generally had more success running the football against them you know in the three games that the Cougars have won they're averaging about 4.4 yards per play allowed or per carry allowed rather uh, and only two touchdowns in the four games that they've lost however it's essentially five yards a carry and eight total touchdowns and so I think you know more so than Jordan Love, which I think he'll have a he'll definitely have an active hand in this game, and I think he definitely needs to because you know BYU's sack rate on the season is 118th nationally. It's just yeah. under four percent. So and they're they bad really against the run too. They just haven't been able to get to the quarterback. And so I think if you're Jordan Love and you're uh, you know you're an offense that can get rid of the ball quickly, in particular, that's something that they've been 
pretty good about more often than not. But I look at some of the numbers, you know, for BYU when it comes to defending the run. I look at the fact that they're 124th in stuff rate on defense, for instance. You know, so they aren't getting into the backfield even for tackles for loss as often as you might expect. And they're 127th by line yards, too, 128th by opportunity rate. So there should be plenty of opportunity for Bright and Warren to really set the tone along with that offensive line. I think that they come out with a high tempo attack on their first couple of drives and just try and punch them in the mouth, you know, rather than try and put everything rather than put everything on Jordan Love's plate early. I think that's how they could get ahead and stay ahead in this game. Yeah, I think that's the case too. And again, part of it too, like with if it's Baylor Ramos, like he could it be the adrenaline thing. The other things too, like I could discount the plays they made, but like did he have a big game because oh we're playing a undefeated team, we're at home, first career start, and all this sort of stuff? Will that be there again for this week after a bye week? Mm-hmm. And so, but I think we're right. So I think the line's about right because I'm not the way Utah State's been playing. I'm not super confident in them, but I think for me, I think they can get to victory in this one. And when you look at I'll pull up my numbers first here really quick because I haven't done that in a while. So well, let me got... just mention one more thing while you're doing that. Go for it. What do you got? I think on the whole, if you're a Utah State fan, the one thing you want to see is you want to see the offense finish drives. Yes, points, Because on a, on a per-drive basis, you know, they're, you know, net points per drive. Utah State and BYU are not that different. There's exactly, I think, six hundredths of a point between them on a per-drive basis. You know, the Aggies are 89th, uh, the Cougars are 92nd. The big thing that really stands out, though, is that offensive drives, per-drive, Utah State is 116th to date. Only 1.44 points per drive. That's not going to get it done against a BYU team that could that could and has snuck up on other opponents in this season. Yeah, that's that's why I want to see because the offense like hasn't been great all year, so we want to see those points. So here's our team ranking test: twenty-seven point eight to twenty-three three for Utah State. Number five, very very close: twenty-three zero to twenty-two four. It kind of seems like some of the other advanced measures see this game as being similarly close. FEI. Likes the Aggies by 0.7. That's close you can get, essentially. Yeah, pretty much. And then uh, SP Plus uh, gives them a little more breathing room. They also like Utah State by 5.6, which is a 63% win probability. Also, FBI, FPI really quick, basically 50-50 toss-up. Like 51% Utah State. So my score prediction, I think there'll be some points. It'll be 30-24 to 24 in favor of Utah State. I like the Aggies, too. I'm going to say 28-27. Is there going to be a field goal victory at the end? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I guess I guess going 25, actually. actually going from 25 to 28 to where, let's just get a game-winning touchdown, right? There you go. 28-27. So, all right. So, we all, everybody, so far our staff is picking Utah State as well. Next game. This might be a kind of a quicker one. Boise State. Oh, we should mention, sorry, that game is on ESPN2 at 8 p.m. local time, mountain time. Next game, CBS Sports Network, uh, 7.30 Pacific, San Jose State hosting Boise State. Sorry to say Spartans, but I don't think you're getting win number five this weekend. I think they could make a little noise at least, though. Oh, I think they could because, like I said, Josh Love is arguably one of the top three quarterbacks in the conference so far in passing. Yeah, and I think that the test will be, you know, how is he going to do going up against a defense like Boise State that has – it's a little bit – it's a lot closer to what San Diego State's done defending the past than Army. Yeah. 
and we saw that you know he's really struggled early on in that game against the Aztecs and and, and San Diego State was able to put the Spartans in a position where they had to play from behind. They had to lean on Josh Love in order to try and basically keep pace with them. So to me, that's where I start thinking about this game is how many stops is Boise going to be able to get early on to really force them into that same kind of situation? Yeah, well, but also I, it's we'll see. That's what we want to see, right? Overall, this game kind of uh, see how that could turn out. Mm-hmm. Because this would be if Josh Love were to uh... – <laughs> sorry, I got a message I had to read. Um, I don't see Bo- – I think also, you know, it's kind of – maybe that may not be the case, Matt. Boise is probably pissed if they lost last week. And they kind of want to get the victory, get back in the New York Six conversation. Yeah, I mean, they're not out of the New York Six conversation. No, I mean – they're, they're not in the driver's seat anymore. Well, they lose the driver officially basically, right? Yeah. However, if UCF, when I saw a headline the other day, they won their game. Who they beat? Temple, I think it was. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, they're hanging around. I'm like, no, they're not. Not with two losses at the moment. It could happen, but not at week not 10. But I, I think because we've seen Boise's defense. Like, here's the thing, too. It kind of gives you optimism if you're a Spartans fan. Last week, like we mentioned, with BYU, Baylor Romney played quite well moving the ball down the field. And I'm pretty sure we'd all take Josh Leff over Baylor Romney to be your starting quarterback. Well, and here's another thing, too. We still don't know how much of a role Kakoa, Nawahini, and DeAndre Pierce are going to play in this game. Because, mm-hmm. you know, due to injury, their status is uh, where we, Brian Harson has kind of left us in the dark That's on that front. Every college coach does. Yeah. And, and same thing with Robert Mahone. I don't know how big of a role he's going to play in that game. But, you know, the Spartans have been solid, if not spectacular, about defending the run. I think one Well, thing... you don't trust Andrew Van Buren to come in for a big game? I wouldn't trust Van Buren. I would trust George Halani. <laughs> I though. I'm just naming the non-obvious running back. <laughs> well, and the, and the other thing is too is if Hank Bachmeyer is back to 100 percent and he's ready to rock, you know, is this going to be a game that unfolds kind of like the UNLV game where they didn't really get much pressure on Bachmeyer and they didn't even really hit him that often too? And that is something that we've talked about at length about how. You know, they've improved a little bit as far as getting pressure on the quarterback, and they definitely did a lot against Army last week. But overall, they're still 99th nationally, the Spartans are, in Team Sacrate on defense. Mm-hmm. So if they can't get to him, one, are Boise's receivers going to be able to get open against a secondary that's been known for creating turnovers? And two, you know, is, is Bachmeyer going to be forced to like extend plays with his legs? Or is, is he playing that kind too? of situation? I think the indication is that he will. I haven't seen anything that says that he won't. It would make sense because he was fully dressed for BYU. He's probably like their emergency guy. Something happened because he was fully padded out for that game. Yeah. And he was, it was his hip thing and he was moving around pretty well being the play caller. So I would, I'd lean toward him, but they're never going to say it's going to be the uh, little air quote mystery starter or whatever maybe in this yeah. game. Um, and BJ Reigns did get some uh, – some video of him at practice yesterday and we're recording on the 30th on Wednesday. So I'm assuming that there's no, uh, no trickeration going on on Harson's part. I would, I I'd be shocked if heart, if um, Harson goes with um, chase court, but if they do though, uh, that makes the game a little more intriguing because we saw him throw a couple of interceptions against BYU last week. And that's one thing that this, San Jose State defense does really well is they get their hands on the ball and give themselves opportunities to create those takeaways. 
Yeah, that if if it is Cord, I would give them the Spartan Saint a better chance to win. Even if Cord does start, I would still predict the Boise State to win. Because I don't think the Spartans, while they're better, like what they're doing, they're not there yet to knock off a team even as good as Boise with the backup court with their even with their backup quarterback. Okay, and also remember too, like part of the two, I don't think Josh Love could just will them to victory in the air. Their running game for the Spartans has been a dreadful. That's true, and so. Yeah, Love can have maybe 380 yards and a couple touchdowns, but it won't be enough because running game when you average 2.6 yards a carry or whatever and your leading rusher has 29, you're not going to win. So that's where I'm winning right now in this game, and I think that's how to not how to play out by there's not a I'm like I'm pretty confident Boise is going to win this game. All right, so uh, do we want to run through the advanced numbers then? Let's do it real quick. What do you got? Okay, so uh, FEI does like the Broncos, uh, 18.9 points okay. between the two. SP plus also likes Boise State by 18, which is an 85% win probability. All right. And then uh dive mine up here really quick. Yeah, FEI, FBI, whatever it's called, all the was it? Yeah, ESPN's FPI. 90% chance to win. And they're both numbers like number five and team rankings have about a 16 to 18 point victory, which is what the line essentially is at 18 and a half, 17 and a half at the moment. My score, I think Spartans will get a couple points here. But it'll be 35-17 for me for Boise State. I like the Spartans to cover, at least. Ooh, interesting. Because I think they'll be able to make... I don't think it's going to be like a blowout, blowout victory. But I do think that Boise State's defense is going to have enough to really keep the Spartans at bay. So I would take San Jose State plus 18. But I think Boise State's still going to win pretty comfortably. I'm going to say 31-16. to 16. That's a 15-point uh, difference there, folks, for doing math at home. Thirty-one sixteen, <laughs> yeah. Mine's kind of the same way as well. It's like thirty-five seventeen. That two touchdown plus range where Spartans might hang around. It might be like ten to three, thirteen to ten, twenty to ten, twenty-three to ten, where they kind of pull away. I don't think it'll be where they race out to like a twenty-eight zero lead and cruise. I think it'll be a little back and forth. But the Spart the not Spartans, but the Broncos will make a stop, make an extra stop or two, and Spartans are playing catch up like the whole game. Yeah. Next game, which um, I guess if you want to watch football at that time, you have you have you have choices in that in that eight o'clock hour Mountain Time. The next one yeah, might mean, be uh, bottom of the barrel here for me, the bottom of the three. I'll keep you know, an the eye. Guys over it, at Banner Society have their like their watch. The watch grid. Where do they put this and, one? And they have the column that just says it's football. Is that this one, New Mexico, Nevada? That is exactly what this game is. Yeah, this game is football. It. We'll see how. Eh, I guess technically it is football. New Mexico at Nevada. Three and a half point line in favor of the Wolfpack, who is this the game? Can we finally say this is the game? Tawatua has a big running game, or do you want to I see? Mean, you, would, you would think so. <laughs> we're hopeful. Is that what we're, we're saying? Hopeful. Yeah. I think it's going to be a blowout, not be close for Nevada. Okay, so so explain your reasoning. Carson Strong, quarterback, can throw well enough, and New Mexico. Yes, Tavaki Toyota did pretty well. They do have some running talent back there. I just, it's not, maybe it's me just not liking New Mexico at all because of Bob Davey and other things, but I don't see how, I don't see New Mexico keeping it close. I Here's the thing. They, like, when you watch the Wyoming game, uh, was it last week? I think it was whenever they lost, like, a fairly close game. New Mexico will get to move the ball. They just can't get in the end zone or score points. They just get to third and whatever and have to punt every time. So I think it, even though Nevada's defense is nowhere near Wyoming, I just think, and also we look at it, Wyoming's offense, 
is really good running the ball, but I think Nevada being a bit more balanced can score more points because of they're more of a passing team than Wyoming is who run the ball, even though they rushed Valade, rushed for what, two, had the most rushing yards since Brian Hill, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just think the way Nevada plays, like if you're a team that throws the ball more, you're probably going to score more than a team that runs a lot. That's kind of how I feel about it. And if if Tawa gets going to this game, they have both, both combinations. And Carson Strong is not a bad quarterback. He's been fine throwing the ball. I just don't think New Mexico has anything in them, especially defense. Like I know they've a little bit better. They're not awful, awful, but it's just they're on the road again. Another road game as well because they're at Wyoming last week. They're at Nevada this week. I just think it's Carson Strong going to have a pretty big game in this one. I mean, neither of these defenses on a per drive basis have been particularly good. Nope. About preventing scoring opportunities, like yeah, you know the 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 Wolfpack are a hundred and twelfth on defense on a per drive basis and points allowed. Uh, New Mexico's 115th. I think if you're looking for any silver lining, for especially team. if you're especially if you're a Nevada <laughs> fan. Okay, here we go. Is that when it comes to long drives in particular, um, you know, the the Wolfpack have are ranked forty fourth in, in points per drive allowed, where, you know, on offense, New Mexico's only hundred and eighth in that same regard. So I think if even if both offenses kind of slog a little bit, because I think there is the potential for both of these game, both these defenses to kind of muddy up each other's running games. You know, they've both been kind of solid on that front, if not necessarily spectacular. They're both at least average, I would say, when it comes to defending the run. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, to me, it kind of comes down to you know, which team is more likely to contain the other's explosiveness through the air. And that's where I give the edge to Nevada like you. Like, I think Carson Strong is more likely to have, uh, you know, a big 40, 50-yard pass play to someone like Romeo Dobbs or Elijah Cooks. Mm -hmm. But I wouldn't necessarily discount New Mexico from having the same thing. I think, you know, one thing that might work in their favor is that the Lobos pass rush is at least slightly better than Nevada's. Like, Nevada has an advantage in run defense. But I think the Lobos have shown that they might be at least a little bit better when it comes to rushing the passer, too. And we've seen that Nevada struggled with that when they can't get rid of the ball in time. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be pretty one way or the other. But I can see paths where both teams are able to kind of outlast the other. I can as well because if you look at New Mexico's running game, it's pretty good. They've had a couple guys back there running the ball who have had pretty big games, like 200 yards, 100-plus yards. So if the Nevada rush defense gives that up to Amari Davis or Bryson Carroll, that's how I think New Mexico is going to win there. Because I know I think last week was an anomaly for the way they passed the ball versus Wyoming. Because I'm trying to look up what Toyota did last week really quick. He uh, I think he threw like a couple hundred yards, like two plus, I think it was. Yeah. So he, I think that's not well. It's weird to say it may not happen again because when you, um, it was two weeks ago. Sorry, no, that was last week. Sorry, I looked at the wrong wrong game. They played Hawaii last week. Um, it was 45-30 in Hawaii, so maybe that's what I was looking at instead because Wyoming is only 5 of 10. But last week mm-hmm. versus Hawaii, 23-40, two TDs, two picks, long of 59. I think he could have a cl- sort of close to that type of game. I think he may have a game more like Liberty where it's about 150 yards, probably just over 50%. But I think with him, he has the picks. That's where Nevada probably come up on top because if they run and run and run, New Mexico does. That's how they beat it. But if they rely on Toyota to pass 15 plus times, there's no way it's going to be close. Because if he's passing over 15 times per game, they're going to lose. 
I just don't think that because that's clear, clearly not their strength. You know what I mean? So that's where I'm leaning. Why I think Nevada probably have a comfortable win. Okay. So my, anything else to add, or we should get right to it? I think we should just get to it. These are two bad teams. We don't need to talk about them too much. Sorry. Actually, well, I guess I think I have Nevada in the bowl game this week. No, I swapped them for Fresno. Sorry. Um, also, I did note real quick. I looked at the FPI. If I'm correct on that, when Fresno plays Nevada, I think they get Fresno like a 90% chance to win. That's interesting. I think there's there. I forget if that was the game. There's one of the games. Maybe it was somebody else, but there's one game where Fresno was like a huge favorite. I'm like, that's weird. Just because it's like 90% mark is rare. It's like you're playing some garbage team. So the line itself, as we mentioned, three and a half in favor of Nevada at home. When I look really quick at number fire team ranking type stuff, it is pretty close 31 to 27 and then 31 to 30. So basically, as the line predicts, a toss up. Yeah, and uh, FEI is uh, right in line with all that. They like Nevada, but by just 3.6 points. Uh, SP Plus also likes the Wolfpack with a little more breathing room, 6.7 points, but that's just a 65% win probability. All right, my prediction, I have Nevada winning, Nevada covering, 31 to 20. I think it's going to be a little ugly. Uh Uh-oh. Um, 10 six. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's going to be that ugly. I mean, I think it's it's likely that you know both teams sputter a lot on offense, and then maybe have you know a couple of long touchdowns, you know, 40, 50, 60 yards, something like that. I think there's going to be a healthy heaping of both, but I do like Nevada. So I'm going to say Wolfpack 28, Lobos 21. It's a close one. Yeah, I think it'd be close. Like even my like thirty-one twenty. Another guys on here have about a touchdown. Our buddy Brando's Nevada's up has a fifteen-point difference, but I think it'll be sort of close in this game, like you said. All right, so should we go to the late one, Fresno State at Hawaii on Facebook for those of us in the mainland? Get your uh, energy drinks ready. Yeah, yeah, get that right. So head to Facebook, get your whatever you, whatever your energy drink of choice is, or coffee or soda, or whatever it may be. Ten o'clock kickoff or nine o'clock Pacific, I should say. The loss, or shoot, I had a line here. Is it three point two point line for Hawaii? That's it? Uh, I don't have that in front shoot, of me, me right now. I'm trying to pull up in front of me right now. Oh, yes, Hawaii minus two at home. That seems low. I mean, it does, yeah. Did they not see <laughs> Fresno State last week? Or the week, or I guess last week? That's an excellent question. Because last week was not kind for Fresno State. So No, 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 no it wasn't. And also, too, I was reading the Fresno Beep, which we something we already know about. It's kind of reading up a little bit, a little bit here and there. Fresno State secondary is not good. It's been really weird in a lot of respects. And I was trying to pull something up, but CFB Stats doesn't want to cooperate with me right now. I'm same with me. It's not just you. It's the but whole thing. I, I was looking, at, I can't remember if it was before or after Colorado State's game, but when you look at what they have done with regards to allowing explosive plays, they, I think they're like actually second or third in the conference when it comes to allowing 20 or 30 yard pass plays. And I can't remember at what point it gets to a zero, but there's a certain point, whether it's like 30 or 40 yard pass plays, where the Bulldogs are the only team in the conference that haven't given one up. Interesting. It's like a really interesting fact, because when you look at what they have done all year long, like you wouldn't suspect that. And I think some of that has to do with the fact that, I mean, I don't, I don't know what you pin it on because, you know, they still have a couple of talented players back there and Juju who's in Jaron Bryant, but then 
as we talked about in the recap podcast, you see them having to do things like cover Warren Jackson in man coverage. Yeah, I, don't luck with that. I don't know if that's necessarily <laughs> a player kind of thing. Like there's, they aren't picking off quite as many passes as they were last year, but they're still at least above average in creating takeaways. So, and, and just on a, on a per drive basis again, because I think it's worth bringing that back. You know, it's not like they have fallen through the floor in that regard. Um, you know, by defensive FEI, they're 77th nationally where they were second a year ago. And I think that's where you kind of have to start with talking about this year's team. I don't know if you can necessarily pin that all in the secondary, like the pass rush is still below average too. And it's the kind of situation where that was kind of the situation last year, but the secondary was just good enough to cover for a lot of those mistakes. And this year with two new starters back there, um, it just hasn't worked out in quite the same way. So I don't think that there's necessarily one area you can pin it on. But when you start looking at this week's game, you know, if you can't get a rush on Cole McDonald, um, that could potentially be very bad news very quickly. All right, so I did you see the stat I put out earlier this week about Hawaii's wide receivers? I did. So I was looking around. I'm like, I, I, who knows, I was bored or just being a nerd looking up numbers. So Hawaii, as we mentioned, they have a lot of good wide receivers, right? Cedric Bird, Jojo Ward. They've had eight games. They played this year, excluding the Washington game where it didn't happen. A 100-yard receiver. They've had six of – they've only, only one repeat wide receiver with 100 yards. Six other se- six other seven games had a different wide receiver with 100 plus yards, and the guy who did it twice shoot all his name in front of me, but it was not Cedric Bird or JoJo Ward. Mm-hmm. So it's some other guy. I apologize, I don't have your name in front of me, but oh, you're talking about Jared Smart? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah. So well, compared to the other two, he had the name recognition in the preseason. You expect those two guys to be ahead. He's been they've all been great, but when they have a different 100 yard guy basically every week. You can't just stop one guy. Cole McDonald will find Smart, Ward, some whoever, Bird, anybody on this offense, some other guy too. So does Fresno matter? Does Fresno have like the cap? I don't think you've already discussed, but they don't. I don't think they have the capable secondary of focusing on one guy. They just got to basically play their defense. Don't probably not change their scheme too much, but I don't think they have the talent overall to like no team has. This is no disrespect to Fresno State, but. The, Hawaii's going to find whoever's open. They're going to find the weak spot and exploit that. And yeah. <laughs> Fresno might have a few more than others. I definitely think you're right about that because <laughs> the depth chart still has a guy starting at cornerback who was a wide receiver like three weeks ago. Yeah, there's that too. <laughs> it's it's not a great situation. And, and for some reason, you know, a lot of the, the diehard fans seem to be wrapped up in the fact that it's, it's you know, Jorge Reina is a bigger problem than defense. No. He's not great, but he's not the main issue. There's multiple issues. It's a combination of things. Like, he's been above average in some respects, and he's been a little bit below average in some other respects. Um, You know, his splits between the first and the second half of games is pretty revealing, I think I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, as well as his splits on first and second down versus what he's done on third down, you know, his struggles in that regard kind of harken back to what Marcus McMarion really struggled with in 2017 when they were winning so many games. So I don't, I'm not necessarily going to say that he is, you know, he, that he hasn't been at least mildly disappointing, but I mean, he still has what, 10 touchdowns against six interceptions, right? He's been fine. He's just not been really, really good. Exactly. So it's, and, it's, yeah. And I think that against this Hawaii defense, 
you know, this is still a unit that's susceptible to, you know, not being able to rush the passer particularly well. You know, I think we may have mentioned this in last week's preview, but I think it's worth mentioning again. Uh, the Warriors are 119th in team sack rate, hmm. and it doesn't really improve from standard downs to passing downs. So I think there's going to be opportunity for Rainer to move the ball. You know, the one thing to be mindful of is that they have gotten at least a little bit better at creating turnovers than they had been in years past. Yeah. But, you know, I wouldn't call this like an elite pass defense by any stretch. So there's going to be opportunities for him to make some hay and for this young receiving core who, you know, going back to what we talked about with Colorado State at the beginning of this podcast, you know, currently, if you go and look at that pro football focus, you know, ranking the wide receivers article that they had, I think they've had like, what, 14 drops, if I remember correctly, as a team. I'm not sure, but that's not many. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, 14 drops over seven games is like two per game, so it's also not nothing. It's is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's uh. I, I so there's so, yeah. there's been a learning curve all along, is what I'm saying overall. And so, you know, I think that there's opportunity for Fresno to be able to keep up with this offense, but I could also see a situation where it goes sideways very quickly. I mean, the other thing that I think might mitigate that to that regard is that one thing Hawaii has still struggled with is defending the run, which New Mexico wasn't really able to take advantage of it last week as well as they probably could have because they did have the couple of long touchdowns from Amari Davis and he didn't have 200 yards. But I think if you're the Bulldogs, that's probably where you want to start. You want to start with Ronnie Rivers and Josh Hokett, especially coming off the most impressive running performance that they've had all season long because that's really been a strength of this team is is run blocking and against a hawaii defense that on a per play basis is dead last in defending the run you know if you're looking for a way to keep that warriors offense off the field i think rivers and hogate are probably the key towards doing that so okay so you mentioned the running thing does the first have that you think I mean, they showed it last week. That's why I think I, th- I think that's how they're going to win because Reynos he'll be fine. He's not in Hawaii. They can he'll probably one of his better games versus Hawaii. But I think if they're going to win, Ronnie Rivers and which they did run well last week, that's their key to victory if they can actually take advantage of it. Because we saw how many yards. Like I was thinking about Tuioti versus New Mexico. I mentioned who did what two fifty or something in the air. Yeah, and I think Jorge Reynos is a more accurate and better quarterback. I'm not saying he'll have the same amount of yards, but he probably won't have two picks in the game. Mm-hmm. And so. I think River. I think that's how the Fresno can get the win. Get Rivers going. Get the other runners going to open up some passing. To maybe, hey, maybe is this the game? Jared Rice has the game. Matt, is this the game? He finally comes around to have more than one catch. We can hope, right? <laughs> he did have the one for one versus UNLV for a touchdown. That's not bad. That's that's true. But I, I think you agree with me. That's how they're going to get the victory. That type yeah. of way. So what do we got here? I think that's uh, that's good enough in that game. So what's your uh, what do we got the advanced numbers, Matt? What do they say? Uh, FEI likes Hawaii. By a very small 1.1 point margin. That's close. Uh, <laughs> SP Plus, however, likes Fresno State by two. Why? I, I, I yeah, Okay, whatever. 50, 55% win probability. Okay. What do you got? I got Hawaii. Smart man. And I, I mean, I would take Hawaii. I would lay the points. I've got the Warriors winning 45 to 35. Ooh, kind of a sort of convincing victory. I think it's kind of like deja vu from last week. I don't know if the defense has the horses to be able to contain this passing attack. Well, that, and I don't think the offense can keep pace if the defense lets go and lost points. 
Exactly. The 35 is quite a good amount. And the reason, if you look back, well, they scored 50-something versus UNLV. Remember, those one was a defensive touchdown, and a lot were on the other half of the field. Yeah, so, Jorge, Jorge Reyna is not giving up 45 points to no. a strong offense. <laughs> no. I'm going I'm not quite as high as you, but I got Hawaii 35 over Fresno 28. All right. So it, it'll be, I think it'll be an entertaining game partly because Hawaii can be erratic at times. And I think that's how, if we're going to one more key how Fresno can win, if the if he tries if Cole McDonald tries to thread the needle on too many passes, he's been better of late. But if that happens to strike again, get to like a couple of picks, it could be a, a different game and Fresno could win. I think that's if they're gonna win, it's gonna disrupt Cole McDonald and run the ball well. I think that's how they're gonna have to win. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. But you have forty five thirty five, I have thirty five twenty eight. This weekend, man, it's a late, late game for those for four of the six games. So watch the early games if you want to watch those. Take a break, take a nap, get your coffee, get your energy energy drink, whatever gets you going at night. Be ready for those games on Facebook, CBS Sports Network, wherever they're at. Be ready for games, Matt. All right, so there are any any parting words you need to uh, mention to the fine folks who listen to the show? I think we are all set. Great. So check us out everywhere you find podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, Overcast, anywhere you find your podcast, just search Mountain West Wire. I think we'll be on Spotify pretty soon because people are clamoring for that, apparently, I've heard. So look for that hopefully soon. But... You know where to find us, mwr.com. See them on Facebook. And we'll be back uh, Sunday to recap all good old week 10.